Aha! This is Indar Lang, your Hawaii money guy. And today is going to be a fun episode. We're going to talk about the terms, 10 terms of real estate that may be a new language to some of you. It was to me. I'm trilingual. I speak, I speak English, I speak pidgin, and I speak real estate. And when I started, real estate was a whole new language to me, and it may be for some of you. So let me cover a bunch of those terms and a bunch of things that would be really helpful for you to understand some little insight to all of this business. Just before we get started, I'd love it if you guys could subscribe below and that way we can reach more people and just help people make their money work for them in any different way we can. Thank you guys and let's get started in today's content. Okay, let's dive in on it. So when I started, real estate was a whole new language to me. It was, it was I don't know. I, I didn't know what was going on reading a purchase and sale agreement talking to loan officers and escrows and talking about all the different avenues. There was so many times when they would share like small little acronyms, you know, like syllable, two letter syllables and I was supposed to like know what that meant or they'd share a term and I would be Googling it on the side, I'd be in a meeting with somebody and I still do it to this day. I still want to understand things better. It's almost like it's its own language, and I swear it is its own little secret little language, which is kind of kind of weird. But it's it, it's its world in the sense that once you start learning these key ter- terms, um, sometimes it's honestly BS to me, and it just makes people sound trying to sound bigger than what they are. And uh, I'm a I'm a simple guy, and I love kind of just chuckling at it uh, sometimes. And I actually do it now today. I'll I'll use some words today just to. Um, you know, they do work better and they sound, you sound smarter, but really, uh, it's kind of funny, (laughs) honestly, but let's jump in some key, key terms that I think will help you guys and really understand, especially if you're new out there to understand some of the processes of it all. Um, one of the biggest thing is you'll hear is a PSA purchase sale agreement. Purchase sale agreement is a contract that you're using to buy a house. Super important to understand you'll hear PSA a lot you'll even read it in emails and so forth so it's just your purchase and sale agreement and that's just a quick contract the contract that we use to buy properties you can use it for other things too buying cars and so forth agreement of sale sometimes it's called as um, little different type of contract but there's a lot of different types of contracts to purchase houses and creative financing and so forth but a purchase and sale agreement is definitely something you should know right off the bat that's PSA so right off the bat um, you'll hear that one another real popular one you'll hear is the SFH single family house and MF I actually say MF a lot multifamily so just a single family your standard house that we all live in and that we enjoy and then of course multifamily those bigger unit kind of things it's not multifamily until technically it's five units or more and then actually um, they they change into other types of multifamily spaces as well um, Next big, big term and really important to kind of dive into is escrow and title. And now when you start buying a house or any kind of property, your everything goes to escrow. Everything goes to a title company. And this is where the terms sometimes get tricky because they will often be using a lot of terms. Um, you know, te- escrow and title companies will be talking to you, you know, in the sense of a lot of things that were termed on that purchase and sale agreement. So a lot of the terms stem from that purchase and sale agreement. So on that purchase and sale agreement, often you'll have an inspection period. It's called a J1 contract. 
in, in Hawaii. Some other states don't call it J1. We call it J1. We've done deals now in about 20 other states about. So every contract is very different. And I'm cool to see how these different contracts uh, work. Um, so these contracts, these purchase and sale agreements have these processes and escrow is often referring to these different stages and inspection uh, stages. You'll have so many different parts and timelines to follow in this contract. And it's super important to understand that. And that's why you often have a real estate agent involved because that contract in itself is pretty wordy. And uh, it's funny, my dad, my dad used to be a, a real estate agent, you know, I don't know, 30, 40 years ago. And it used to be a two, three page contract, very simple, simple contract. And now the, the MLS, the standard contract that they use in most states are pretty lengthy, um, 15 pages or whatever it is. And it's just because, you know, legalities and things happened and uh, they keep having to add more things for protection for both sides. And um, it gets very convoluted when you're trying to understand these long, lengthy contracts. I actually read a lot of contracts and leases and all kinds of stuff. That's what I do for fun at night. <laughs> so um, it's very important to understand and when you're reading a lot of these contracts and what they're referring to in terminology. And sometimes I, I, I second guess what they're referring to too. Um, and it's kind of a ploy sometimes to word it so it's harder to understand. It's just a, it's a, it's a tricky business and the terms can get really, really lengthy into understanding everything. So escrow and title, when you're starting to talk to an escrow company, you're going to have a loan officer and they're going to start talking to you about a lot of things of the contract where you are, your inspection phase, your, you know, did you do your final inspection? Did you do termites inspections? Did you do your um, earnest money deposit? So a lot of these lingos and terms will become upon like, you know, right away when they ask for EMD, you'll hear that a lot, earnest money deposit. So that's the deposit you need to lock up a property. And it's pre it's required across the board, whatever it may be, if a wholesale deal, any kind of deal to lock a deal into escrow, uh, you need to have a deposit down to lock that deal. And it could be as little as a hundred bucks. It's up to you and uh, the seller to agree upon that amount. And that earnest money deposit is super important because that's what's at risk in a deal. And also for the seller, um, that's what he potentially can get in case you uh, get out of the deal. And um, it's normally to cover any holding costs or any other costs that may occur. Um, you could get that money back if you write the contract properly. So understanding that contract and understanding the terms I would definitely suggest to read over a quick a contract and just ask questions about it. Google, you know, any little terms and keywords. They even do it in the contract itself. They'll use some acronyms as well. The acronyms do get a little uh, funny at times because I'll be, I do a lot of different real estate. So I do flipping and we do uh, multifamily and we do commercial now. So talking into these different brokerages and these different people, they are very good at what they do. And this is what they do every day. When you're talking to a, a commercial banker, for example, this is what he does every single day. So you have to have, I have to have, uh, you know, man of many hats. I have to have that lingo, that knowledge of understanding that world 
And then when I go back to my single family world, I have to understand that. And they actually are very different, believe it or not, with the types of loans and how the deals are done. Um, in the commercial world, they almost expect you to be a lot better, which you should be if you're venturing in that world. So a lot of those terms and terminologies can be very uh, understandable. And some of those big terms you'll hear uh, can be on analyzing the deal. Often in multifamily world, you heard the term cap rate. Uh, cap rate's an extremely big word that's thrown upon in the multifamily and the commercial space. And uh, it, it's super important to understand these terms. I'm not going to explain um, detail about a lot of these terms. We're just kind of covering a lot of them. But the cap rate is basically an average of what that area should be selling at. Um, it, you take your net operating income divided by your purchase price and you'll get your cap rate. That is technically should be an average. You shouldn't be looking at your cap rate as, um, uh, you know, it just should be an average of the area. Sometimes people, I think, use that number a little off, my opinion. Um, it just should be what that area averagely sells for, for those types of properties. So if it's a seven cap, for example, you know, in that area. And generally, actually, anything above seven caps is a great deal to me. And uh, we are actually looking at a 12 cap right now that we are potentially going to buy. And I'll get to that later with you guys. So some more cool, cool terms to really understand. Um, in the single family world, the ARV, we I throw it around very loosely now all the time. I always say ARV, ARV. ARV is extremely important to understand that term. That's called your after repair value. After repair value. What is this house going to be valued at after I repair it? What's the value? It's pretty self-explanatory. So I am going to fix this house. I'm going to force appreciation. I'm going to add value to this house by new floors, windows, roofs everything of the that nature and then what will that house be valued at and now we're going to look at comps comparable uh, comps is another term as well and comps are comparables comparable market analysis it's going to be uh, houses or properties with that similarities that same square footage similar bedroom and bathroom counts land sizes um, are some of the biggest things that you're going to look at comparables and also year sold uh, you know you don't want to have a house sold five years and you're trying to sell that house this year so uh, your comps and your ARV you know really are some really key terms to understand you will start using the word comps all the time and I think everyone kind of knows what that term is comparables um, the ARV is also very important to understand what is this property uh, worth when it's all set and done and that's probably your most number one number in any project you do from um, multifamily to single family to storage whatever it may be so understanding that is extremely extremely important to to know that um, some more key terms to really point out and touch on is some of the loan terms so when you get start getting loans and so forth uh, loan officers and just even the paper of the terms is they're already expecting you to know some of the things like that. Um, some of the simple things like a type of loans, there's ARM loans, ARM, adjustable rate mortgages. So that's a, a shorter 
uh, loan, maybe three years, five years, that's going to adjust like you, you like it says it is. But you'll hear ARM, so you want to understand that means an adjustable mortgage. Um, and the loans often in flipping and even in residential and uh, multifamily, we use, uh, I'm very advocate of figuring out what your LTV, what the banks will give me, uh, LTV, loan to value. So you'll hear two things. It makes sure you understand the difference. LTV and LTC, loan to value and loan to cost very two different numbers and make sure you understand that when you're working with a hard money lender on a flip because loan to value they may be giving is a lot different loan to cost so they're going to give you a loan to the value of the property um, normally i'm pushing to get 80 percent i'm very big i'm trying to push for a, a higher ltv because that's less money i have to come up with less money i have to raise for our lender our investors and um, allows me to spread spread our money more to do more projects. So LTV is extremely important to understand. In hard money world, you'll hear uh, you know ninety percent um, uh, LTV loan to value. So you can either get a ninety percent LTV or uh, probably seventy five percent loan to cost. Um, depending on what it is and don't quote me these numbers change per lender um, per deal you know every every lender is different but I'm definitely always trying to get more money up front from the lenders from the banks and the hard monies the cheaper money and then I can pull in my money investors money on the back end so understanding LTV and LTC extremely important and know the difference and then more on those loan terms itself uh, points you often hear the word points and it's like oh wow I won I, I won the game I got a lot of points <laughs> no you don't want a lot of points you want no points <laughs> or one point uh, points are normally what that mortgage or lender is charging uh, for their services they may be brokering out that loan to somebody else and they're gonna be charging points on top of that so points mean a percent so one point is one percent so it's just a fancy word of using percent. So one point, one percent, whatever it may be, um, points. Generally, I only want one point from a lender. I wouldn't want any more. And often, if it is more than one point, it's two points, three points, they probably are brokering that deal, meaning they're middlemanning it to uh, the actual lender. And I don't like to middleman too much unless they can get a steeper discount than I can with that specific lender, um, which used to be the case, not much anymore nowadays. So if you are working with a broker, um, which I do, I do work with brokers, um, you know, make sure that um, they're gonna, obviously they're gonna be charging for their time on top of that. Cause you can go directly to those lenders now, not a lot of days. A lot of these lenders you can obviously work directly with. So I do do that sometimes um, if they are, you know, working on a deal. But sometimes brokers are just really shopping around as much as you could be shopping around. So if you're going to pay for that person to shop around and, and work with that, the, the lender, because often um, that lender is just who you need to work with. And they're just middlemanning that whole conversation through that whole time. Um, uh, of that loan so check that out actually stay tuned we are going to have our own hard money lending company actually we are i think it's 
basically up and running. Uh, we're just doing some kinks right now, and we'll have our own hard money lending service where we have direct access to lines of uh, of uh, money from uh, the the source of it all from uh, Wall Street and uh, some mutual funds and so forth. And um, it's better to get direct access to money than to 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 go to all the middlemen. But more on the terms, more terms, 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 so many terms. Um, huge, huge one you'll hear about. And I, when I was new, everyone would throw it around and was talked upon. It was ROI. And you, you should know this term. Really important to know ROI. Return on investments. What's my return on this investment? What If I put this amount of money in, how much it's a percentage? What is that percentage paid back to me? And it, it's very common because we we actually we let we borrow people's money and we pay a twelve percent return on on people's money. So we pay actually a twelve percent return on people's money. And generally in the world of business and money, um, stock markets you're going to get average of six percent return. Um, you know you can do mutual funds and CDs, so they have obviously a little smaller return. So they these all have return on investments. If I put this amount of money in, you know, 100 grand in, what how much money am I going to get back? So 100 grand um, if you did a 12% return, you'll get 12 grand back from that, you know, amount of money. So what is return on investment? If I put this much money, how much money am I getting back from my money that's sitting and working for you? And uh, Normally, these rates, interest rates, and returns are annualized too. So keep that in mind. Just like any loan, it's a it's an annual loan, meaning it's the annual time the money's borrowed, uh, basically. So return on investment is really important to understand. What is my return on my investment? What is my payday back from this from this money that I just leaving and setting into? You know whatever it may be from cds to mutual funds to stocks to uh, crypto it's hard to dictate that but um and in real estate if i buy a real estate um, you know, invest in a real estate deal or i invest in multifamily, it gets a little different it's not return investment it's irr but um we won't touch too much of those multifamily terms because there's a lot of them there's a lot of them irr and ARR and there's so much more terms to it all, but they're a little more advanced. So we're going to stick some of the basics right now. Um, some more big, big terms you'll hear about um, appraisals and appraisal contingencies. Of course, you want to understand what appraisal is. So appraisal is really important to understand because whenever you're buying a house or getting a loan, um, it doesn't matter what you think the value at unless you're paying cash it's it's not important but often we're not paying cash we're we're getting a bank loan so the bank is only going to lend us as we're talking about 75% whatever percentage of the value of the house and they don't care what you think the value it is or what that real estate agent thinks it's valued at they're going to send an appraiser out there and this is a third party um, non-biased party that is going to appraise that house at its set value and the bank will get a uh, value from the bank and then they'll work off of that. So that appraisal is really important to understand because that is really the most important number 
as we were referring to ARV earlier, we're pulling comps and we're trying to guess, that's what we're trying to do, we're trying to guess what this appraiser is going to appraise this house at. So before we work a project, we're, we're doing our due diligence and due diligence is another big term to understand. Um, so before we work our project, we're doing our due diligence, we're doing our research, we're doing our understanding of the project. That's what due diligence is. You're diving into the project. You're making sure you're doing all your own personal research. You're not trusting just a real estate agent. You're checking your own you know, numbers. Um, you're going to get an appraisal, and that appraiser is really important because if you were buying a $2 million house and the appraiser only pays at $1.8 million, um, that means either said you have to come up with that difference or, or B, you get to cancel that deal. And it can hurt either side of that party. So that's where it's important then to have, um, as we just seen in the last two years, appraisal contingencies, um, to have appraisal contingency on that deal. And that's really important in the last two years to have because often we were selling houses above market value because we were getting homes sold with so many people, you know, so little houses, we were getting so many people writing these offers that we were selling houses above market value. So it was up to either that said buyer to agree upon them covering that difference or be having some kind of mutual agreement beforehand, a 30,000 appraisal clause, 20,000 appraisal clause, meaning that once that appraiser appraised that house um, and it was below what uh, you're purchasing it for, you had some kind of agreement already made up that that seller was going to, uh, the buyer was going to cover the difference. So appraisal clauses were really important, still are, you know, obviously it's great to have them no matter what um, when you're writing a strong offer. But now as our market uh, changes, you know, if you're not getting multiple offers, it's not necessarily needed unless you're getting offers over, over asking. Um, generally, the houses should be listed at the market value and then sold for more. Generally, um, there is some people who um, try to sell it for more than what it's worth. Often that agents out there will know about this when that homeowner tells you know, tells them what the house is worth and uh, because they read it on Zillow or something or their friend's neighbor sold a house for that much and the house was bigger, but I want to sell my house for the same price. So we want to go there with that kind of stuff. So appraisals and appraisal contingent is super, super important. Another huge part is understanding what the buyer's agent and a listing agent is and how they are paid in that structure of it all. So a buyer's agent obviously is an agent that's representing you, the buyer, when you're buying a house. And then when you sell a house, you're gonna have a listing agent that's gonna sell a house. And obviously they can be the same person, but there is some agents who are just better at selling and there's some agents that are better at buying. So any of you homeowners or at anything out there, you know, you can actually interview an agent and try to find somebody that's you think is a great salesman or you think is a great um, negotiator for buying whatever it may be uh, you know that your criteria is but understand that there is two types of agents out there um, and there's two sides of the contract as well and guess what the seller is paying for both of those agents costs so even though there's two different parties involved and you don't um, know the other buyers agents and so forth you the seller 
um, are normally paying for that cost. You can actually change that up on a contract and negotiate that differently, but um, it's generally paid by the seller. The seller of the house, if it's your house and you're selling it, normally you have to pay the commissions of both parties. And we paid little as we paid as little as um, I think two percent for both sides, um, and up to seven percent on a on a five thousand dollar house. We didn't care. <laughs> it was seven percent. Well, five thousand is not much. So we actually bought a five thousand dollar house. Funny story, but another time. Um, so. You can dictate that too, by the way. So you as a seller, he who has a gold makes the rules. So you as a seller, if you want to pay whatever, you can negotiate what you want to pay that agent to sell that house. And if that agent doesn't agree to that, um, you're happy to you know, have another agent. It's your house. You own it. You get to choose your terms. Um, so understand that it's your rights. It's your terms. It's your house. So you get to choose ultimately um you know what your terms are what you want to sell that house for whatever terms you want to do you know some people know know everything and want to do it their way and some people will trust um you know an agent and so forth so it's a give and take situation um neither one is right or wrong it's just whatever you choose to to in your best interest you know ultimately it's your life and it's your um your house or your property so um, closing costs, big term like to understand, there is cost to, to buy a house and there's cost to sell a house. So don't just think about that. There's some huge costs involved when you're selling and buying a house. Larger costs, obviously, when you're selling because we talked about paying the realtors costs, but you got to pay all the title and all the escrow costs and conveyances and taxes and notaries. There's a lot of terms to understand on that closing statement so used to be called a hud now it's called a closing statement and that closing statement is going to have a lot of terms i sign a ton of i buy i don't know four or five houses a week so i do a lot of signing i am a professional signer honestly (laughs) i got a nice fancy pen just this amount of properties i buy and sell so the first two pages i look at is the closing statement it's the statement with all the numbers all the terms are on there and numbers are on there and you really want to fine tooth comb go through every number on there and i'm i have my phone my calculator out and i'm checking or i'm checking um contracts that uh, we may had with whatever person to make sure this number's right so those first two pages whenever you're buying or selling a house uh, is really important. It's a closing statement, the HUD. Um, some states actually call it a HUD, actually, still. So that closing statement is in really, really important to understand and know all those terms on there. And I actually walked through it with my uh, secretary, Kelly. She knows it all already, but uh, she's got. we got a new assistant behind her, um, Ella. So we want her to understand all the terms and all the nuances on there because it could be very, very hard to understand some of those closing statements. And if you got a notary, good notary, um, shout out to Jolene. Um, if you got a good notary, they will walk you through it, or your or your escrow company, or even your agent as well will walk you through it. And don't 
don't be scared to ask questions on that closing statement. Um, I will mark it up. I will write initials. I will make sure every number is... I just actually had a signing yesterday and they were off on a zero. It was it was 599 um, and they had 5,990. So that zero was off and I caught it and I said, hey, you know, I emailed the 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 person back and say hey that there's an extra zero what's going on so oops sorry my mistake now if i didn't read through that <laughs> that was a five thousand dollar that was a five thousand uh, dollar mistake you know if i didn't catch it so very important to understand that terms and contract and it's almost more important for you to understand because the agent might look through it real briefly but again it's not his money at stake it's not anyone else's money it's your money so um, if you don't understand it, even bringing in a friend that you think understands it, you know, is worth it because that could, that, you know, $5,000 mistake I just caught could have went to you guys and you would have, had a, you would have missed it maybe, who knows. Um, but not understanding some of those terms and uh, is really, really important to, really, really important on a closing contract and ask questions. And then the rest of the contracts get all into the legal stuff and I literally fly through all of that. I can sign a house in like 10 minutes um, there is a lot of signing to do but uh, i only really care about that purchase and sale agreement because i already before that i already know all the terms and everything and the loans and what were taking place so i don't have to uh, deal with the rest of the paperwork and it's it's fat i actually have a collection outside of uh, closing statements and houses we bought um, had them piled under the bed so We've done about 120 uh, flips now and then all the rentals and single families. Um, so I collect <laughs> closing statements. I like to save them all. It's my collection. <laughs> um, so closing statement, super important. Days on the market, know that DOM, you'll see DOM a lot. So how long a property's been on the market, days on the market, understanding that um, Hawaii's just went up to 11 days. So I, our market is shifting up. A little longer days on the market, you know, 11 days, not too bad. Um, due diligence, we talked about that briefly. Due diligence is important to understand what due diligence is. And that's just your inspection period to, um, it's the like, research is the best way to explain what due diligence is. It's your, do your own research, do your own understanding of whatever it may be. Ask questions. Don't be scared to ask questions. Um, and, and Google things, of course. Spend your time uh, Google things and I do is I read contracts late at night uh, because I really want to dive into it in the work I'm scheduled my work day is very hectic and I can't really focus sometimes so I really want to focus on maybe all the leases for a building I'm buying or um, whatever research of a contract I'm doing at the time I want to really understand it in a quiet space and uh and read over it and really, really read over it slowly. Um, as I skim, sometimes when I read, I don't catch everything, you know, I'm trying to fly through, but if I read it slowly, I can uh, really understand all the terms and that's what it is. You really, really wanna make sure you understand all the terms because in real estate, they get little um, ling linguistic on you sometimes um, and not understanding it. it it's a, definitely a foreign language. 
So a huge one is, I like to use this one a lot now. It's called underwriting. You'll often hear a lender say, hey, my underwriter has to okay a deal. Or you'll often hear um, escrow using it. They have an underwriting. It's, um, you know, really re reality of it. It's just another person that they, they can almost um, push off to you know they don't have to make the set decisions and with with loans and escrows yes they they can't make the final decision it's another you know person that specializes in reviewing the numbers um, we I use the term now when we underwrite deals I'll have you know one of my my guys uh, acquisition guys he might be running the numbers and analyzing that deal um, so it's a term almost like you're having somebody else uh, look at this deal and analyze it and and um, you can almost use that as your crutch to to you know my underwriter di didn't see this or my underwriter didn't uh, is not pu you know pushing the deal through um, and it could be just an it's really like maybe an assistant or a um, uh, you know acquisition guy or it's really a third party guy that's analyzing this deal so I use underwriter all the time I just use it today um, we have to we have 37 houses we're gonna refinance them and that we want to underwrite it again we want to look at our numbers again in in-house so I'll have basically one of our my team members um, uh, look at all the numbers I'll show your show her make sure she follows these parameters and uh, she knows already but um, we will underwrite our own deals in multifamily world uh, you often have your own in-house underwriter and that's all they're doing they're analyzing deals they're looking at the numbers so then you as a uh, business owner in multifamily world you're just looking at the bird's eye the bigger picture of the whole deals they put together the package of the deal so an underwriter is really uh, it's a workhorse they're doing a lot of work they're doing a lot of research um, they're, they're really diving in and then you as a business owner um, or the lead person in your team can really dive into uh, what their data they did they found and you can ask them how they found that data and so forth so underwriting is a cool term I like it I've been throwing it around myself and it, it sounds kind of cool and honestly sometimes the terms I think are used in that sense because one you sound smart of course and two you have um, proper terms for the right right uh, right thing that you're doing whatever it may be um, earnest money deposit uh, EMD is really important and we talked about um, equity equity is a big one that I, I didn't know what equity meant when I first started equity just means how much uh, value you have in this home minus the minus the the loan or so forth so how much equity do you have in this home how much money you can get out of this home if I were to sell it today so you say you have million dollar house and you have a loan at at seven hundred thousand you have three hundred thousand in equity so your equity is after everything's paid off and everything how much do I get back so how much equity do I have and you can do use that term because you can get HELOCs and stuff like that so a lot of people have owned homes throughout the years and those homes go up in value which then gives you more equity in that home and you can use that equity for a lot of things besides loans 
um, you can use that to get a HELOC, home, equ home equity line of credit. You can do a, um, a refinance to pay off your old loan because the equity has gone up. Um, you can now, as we're doing, we're taking, we have 156 rental properties. We can use the little bit of equity we have in all our homes and we can get lines and kind of work with the banks using that equity. So that equity is value placed on, uh, you know, in the properties that you can leverage and use to make you more money. So equity is a great thing to have in any any property because you can leverage it to make you more money. You can basically, um, you can take a loan out of this property, you know, as it went up in value. Here in Hawaii, we have the highest appreciation in any market. And appreciation is a big term too. Appreciation means uh, things are going up in value. Appreciation means it's appreciation. It's going up, 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 up. So things appreciate um, whatever it may be, your house. Not many things appreciate, but when things appreciate, they go up in value. Rolex is a great thing. Appreciate some old cars, Ferraris, I think appreciate. Um, so some of these classic kind of things that their scarcity of will appreciate, will go up in, in value. Things that are really, really needed and they don't have enough of normally appreciate. And if there's really not enough of it, they appreciate even faster. Hawaii is a great example. We live on an island. There's only so much houses, so they're going to appreciate fast. Uh, very different from depreciation. Depreciation is very different. So understanding that it's two different words, meaning extremely different things. Depreciation is we use that the, what something would go down to depreciate what it would potentially go to so depreciation is like you know like a car for example you own a car it depreciates in five years so um, your set car divided by five you know twenty thousand dollar car you divide it by five it's depreciation every five years is five grand so your car is depreciation going down um, losing value every five years so don't forget that term it's the opposite and last big term here in Hawaii well, let's talk about is uh, leasehold and fee simple so in Hawaii we have leasehold properties and fee simple properties extremely important because I've often seen people sending me deals that are looks like great deals and then you see their leasehold so here in Hawaii we have fee simple meaning that you own the land you own the house you own actually own this the space in the sky above your house by the way if you didn't know that um so you own the land leasehold means you don't own the land you just own the house above the land so make sure if it's a leasehold or a fee simple make sure you know that when you're purchasing any property that if it's a fee simple or leasehold and if it's leasehold run <laughs> you, you don't normally don't want to deal with leaseholds um little more complicated and uh, get get some help if you're doing doing something with leasehold knowing what that means um, so if you're doing a leasehold deal only way to do a leasehold if you can buy the lease and actually turn it into fee simple is kind of actually all I will even touch a leasehold unless I can buy that lease um, yeah so that's it with all the cool terms there's so much more out there and I know it's a crazy new language but stick with it the only best way to figure it out is to do it is to be involved i just want to take a quick second and if you're enjoying our content please subscribe below i love it if you guys can leave us a review or a comment or let me know what you guys thought i love honest feedback and i love hearing what you guys think
was reading the next sentence, but that's not. This can be a pre-recording. Insert every part. <laughs> Ask this radio to know. Okay, was that good? Are you cut? Yeah, I think I, so. Yeah, so I. So in this segment one, I want to jump in. We have some questions that we oppose out there. Anyone out there in social media or all our different media channels in their Hawaii, we ask you guys to ask us questions and I'll take the time and answer them. So here are the two questions that uh, we choose to go over this week that uh, I love to talk about. Um, two big questions are we've had uh, one from Aaron. Um, what's the minimum amount of money to invest with us? And I actually get this money, this question a lot. Um, we used to have a minimum amount of 50000 to invest with us. We've said now actually change that all and we don't really have a minimum anywhere to invest with us because our investing process has become so simple. We have a great portal online and landing page and we made the process so easy for you guys um, and for us to track and follow that we actually got rid of our, our, our minimums. <laughs> It doesn't, uh, it, we want you guys to make money and that's the only reason I had a minimum, but now we ha we don't, we took off our minimums and we have as little as um, somebody was just doing 10 grand the other day. Um, <clears throat> I want you to make money on it. So, you know, don't do too minimum because then you don't make as much. But if your money's just sitting, you might as well invest it on a deal on a flip. Um, another big question we had, and this is a little harder one, this is from Brody. What is more lucrative, storage or short-term rentals? What makes more money? And that's really a tough question, honestly, because the answer to that, it's all in the owner. It's all in the the managing of the of that particular site facility. It's all in. I just heard it the other day. Um, the the jockey. It's whoever manages that better than the other person. So. Um, AJ, shout out to AJ Osborne out there. He's a beast in storage facilities and he's been buying all these storage facilities because he's a great owner operator. He's a great at taking small mom and pop storages and bringing them up into becoming more lucrative. So it doesn't really necessary on the on what the product is. It matters on the who's buying and who's doing that. We are great at at adding value in multifamily and of course at single family and great at fixing them and doing all that kind of stuff so we are really great at, at um, airbnbs and getting them up and running being efficient with all the different software to get great reviews and to to decorate them well of course and to, to really bring on an airbnb we just bought two in waikiki from somebody else who was losing money at it but then when we turn around, we make it a more profitable Airbnb, very, very profitable Airbnbs that this person was losing at it because I looked at their financials. And um, that's because not necessarily of the, the asset class, as it's called, it's the, the owner operator of it all. Is he proficient at, at, at systems? Is he proficient at understanding that, that, that asset class? And is he proficient at, um, you know, being watching two things? Whatever it is, it's watching your PL. It's understanding the money, understanding uh, profit and loss of, of it all. So it's anything you're doing is it can you raise your income? Can you make more money from that deal than the next last guy? And then can you lower that expenses? So that is the answer to whatever is better is on the owner operator. <laughs>
Segment two, this is what I wanted to talk about and highlight our deal of the week. We actually have a huge, huge deal coming up. Super excited about it. Actually, um, we are gonna pre-list it on our site. We are potentially very close in the midst of locking up a, a huge shopping center for five to six million. We're debating upon price. We're really close right now. And we're actually gonna put it out there to investors. So we're buying this huge shopping center at a 12 12 cap a 12 cap means it's extremely good normal normal seven cap is a good so the higher the number the better the cap and we're gonna need to raise about a million point two for investors and on this particular project we're giving away some huge tax incentives so anyone who has a big tax appetite who makes a lot of money at what they do and needs to uh, offset that money we are giving off a huge tax appetite to our investors they're actually become partners on this deal and have equity and so forth on this particular deal um, lower interest rate but in return you're getting a huge huge tax write-offs basically so if you're a doctor lawyer anyone who's successful making a lot of money and has a big appetite um, I love for you guys to be a part of this big shopping center that we're going to buy we do have to raise very quickly um, for this deal and uh, I haven't been uh, falling up a lot of investors so I'm going to start calling you guys out so um, we have a huge huge shopping center super excited about it because um, it's such great numbers and it's great uh, location and uh, we're just going to have to take it down because uh, somebody's got to do the deal so it might as well be us so check out our par portal um, you can click in the link in our link tree and all our different uh, places to go invest now and we'll get that up for you on the portal about this deal it's in Janesville, uh, Janesville, uh, WI. So check it out. Really excited about it. Super excited about it because it's a great one. And it's a great, I love it because it's great for our investors too. Um, it's really, really great to have these big tax incentives and we don't have the opportunity to give it out too much. We only have the opportunity when we buy these large, large properties. It's five, $6 million buy. So message me of course if you want more information on that super excited so come check it out and be a part of it um yeah so thank you guys so much for tuning in today and i really appreciate you guys taking the time to make it this far to the very end of it and i really hope you got something out of it and we're gonna stay tuned next week we're gonna be posting our video um on youtube as well so check out all the social media in our hawaii on every platform from twitter to instagram even our youtube linkedin everything check it out in there hawaii and we're going to get this podcast up for you and stay tuned for the next week's podcast we're going to be dropping on the following monday and it'll be another fun topic for you guys and we'll have some great guests as well coming up on some future podcasts so thank you guys so much and have a great awesome day aloha